Welcome to the 18th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Uh, I'm a gold-level pro here with Michael Majors, a platinum-level pro. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. We lost a member, uh, another platinum pro, Andrew Brown. Rest in peace. <laughs> He's not dead, man. Yeah, I, he might as well be. He's working for Wizards, not playing Magic. You know, living his dream, basically. He's just doing exactly what he wants to do. Yeah, I know. I know. Good for him, right? Yeah, that's great. But yeah, we lost some some street cred, you know? We lost a Platinum Pro, right? We also lost a bunch of momentum of actually having someone accountable for us to do this. Yeah, that was rough. But here we are, so we'll see if we can keep this going. Uh, and if not, you know, we'll have to start accepting applications. Yeah, no, I, I think we can definitely do that. We've, we've had a few people offer their services. Yeah, which was really surprising and awesome, actually. So I, I feel like it's going to keep going. Okay, well, you know, if, if you say that, then I feel good about it. Okay, great. I'm not going to make any promises, obviously, but I, I think this is what needed to happen to, like, get us back, is just, like, a new set to come out and have half the set spoiled. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, to be fair, the last couple of months, of months have been kind of like a lull in Magic in general. It's been tough to find anything interesting to talk about. Yeah, I, I could probably rant about last season's standard format for quite a while if people would listen to me. I think they would listen to you, but there's enough of that's already been discussed. No, no, my rant is the opposite. My rant is that format was great, and it shifted a bunch, and there were a lot of viable decks at various points, just not at the same time. All right, well, fair enough. I guess maybe people would be interested in listening to that, but for now, I think Aether Revolt spoilers are probably a little bit more relevant. All right, fine. Let's start with Tezzeret the Schemer. So I've kind of been removed from Magic a little bit. Like you said, there was a lull, right? And... I've been playing a bunch of different games and stuff, uh, so I haven't been, like, scouring the Magic Reddit as much as I used to or, like, on social media or anything. What is the reception of this card? Because to me, it seems very lukewarm. And I'll read the text in a minute. I just want to get this out of the way. Yeah, I get the impression. So, Tezzeret was kind of one of the first cards spoiled, so it's kind of hard to get excited about this card that is very much like a build-around-me thing when you don't necessarily know the pieces that you're going to be able to play with. Okay, perfect. I like that a lot. Okay, so Tezzeret the Schemer, Planeswalker, so Mythic Rare. Uh, 2UB, starts with 5 loyalty, plus 1, create a colorless artifact token named Ethereum Cell with tap, sack this artifact, add 1 mana of any color to your mana pool. So basically plus 1 makes a Lotus Petal, minus 2, target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn where X is the number of artifacts you control. So whoa, pretty whoa, whoa. decent. Huh? Did you say minus X, minus X? Ooh, plus X, minus X. That's right. Oh, man. That's weird. Okay, you just blew my mind. Yeah, you can beat down with this guy. Yeah. Dude, isn't it weird how your brain just, like, auto-corrects weird stuff? Well, I mean, that's what you would assume, right? It's like, this, this planeswalker is supposed to protect itself, so it just kills things. Well, that still happens. It's not like right. this card is worse because of this. This is just, like, a strict upgrade, I think. No, exactly. It is for sure. Okay, okay, plus X minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control, including Lotus Petals. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then minus seven, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness 5-5. So the emblem to me is kind of lukewarm, but maybe I'm underestimating how quickly this kills someone, because it is probably over like two or three turns. 
I think people are just kind of spoiled with emblems. They're like, it should do something that's just, it's like a proxy for win the game, and that's not what this card does. But it's still super powerful. It doesn't take that long to emblem either. No, just what three turns to emblem? Yeah, you made some good points about how this is a build around me, and it's like. If you took this card and put it in current standard, I imagine it would not do very much, if at all. Sure, but thankfully, it's an Aether Revolt. Yeah, exactly, and there are a lot of cards that have been spoiled since then, and now this card is actually looking to be pretty good, because it's like, in order to play this card, like, to want to put this in my deck, I want it to be surrounded by playable artifacts, right? And at the moment, we don't really have a lot of that stuff. Like, am I going to put this in my, like, three-bin Inspector Copter deck or whatever? Like, no. But I've been pleasantly surprised about how many just, like, playable one-man artifacts there are. Like, things that you can sack for value. Yeah, the uh, implements, is that right? Yeah, so we have some implements. There's another one I like, or another two I like, actually. Renegade Map. Oh, the uh, Lay of the Land, yeah. That card's sweet. Yeah. ETB's tapped, which is kind of a tilt, but really shouldn't affect all that much. Maybe lets you play a lower land count, although I feel like I'm going to want this in play more than like having to sack it because I don't have any lands but whatever and then pacification array is another one that I think might just be legit yeah I think pacification arrays I, I don't even know if people are talking about it at all so it's hard to say if it's like underrated or whatever but I think this card's awesome it's been in a lot of my decks so far okay cool so one man artifact two tap tap target artifact or creature two is is a sturdy cost but if you're looking for artifacts that just kind of sit around and pay for improvise or pump up the Tezzeret minus two, and then do something later. Like, having a, a pseudo-icy manipulator is kind of where you want to be. Yeah, and just, like, I mean, it's not the cleanest answer, but it can contain Gideon from just plussing and killing you, which is pretty important. Yeah, and it's fine against Copter, you know? Like, it's it's not fine in that you need to pay two mana every turn, but, like, if you're flooding out and you have nothing better to do, like, this is a good way to do that. And if you're making five fives, like, this forces them through. So I think this card is pretty nice. Yep. I mean, it, it definitely changes the dynamic of the game from your opponent's side, even though it is a real cost. Yep. Okay, so Tezzeret, I like a lot. Uh, this is probably going to be the card that I build around the most. Yeah, that's legit. I mean, it, it's awesome, for sure. Like, uh, Black has gotten a lot of support out of the set. I know people have talked about, like, the removal, and there's three or four different good options. Like, Battle of the Bridge is, is super powerful with Tezzeret decks. Yeah, that card's completely reasonable. Obviously, P Fatal Push is awesome. Yeah, the fact that you can plus Tezzeret and Fatal Push or probably turn on a Metallic Rebuke instantly, which is a card we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, so the the Lotus Petals turn on Revolt, which is also kind of nice because I've been looking at looking for things specifically that do that too because it seems a little difficult. Yeah, in standard for sure. So yeah, not, not quite free, but I, I don't know, man. Tezzeret just seems to do it all. Yeah, and it also... Uh... <laughs> Another card we'll be talking about soon, it's it's a 4-mana Planeswalker, which plays extremely well with Baral's expertise. Okay, well that one's that one's far down the line. It, it you, is, but... Do you want to just do it now? I, I mean, I didn't mean to, like, mess up the show order, it's just, like, 4-mana Planeswalkers are the perfect card with it, with this. Like, this and Gideon, Tezzeret, rather, and Gideon. You can, like, clear your opponent's battlefield position out and play your Planeswalker on an empty board and start plussing it and getting way ahead. Okay, so Baral's expertise, 3 UU, Sorcery... Return up to three target artifacts and or creatures to their owner's hands. You may cast a card with CMC four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. Yeah, I I love cards like this, but I, I kind of feel like it's a trap because I generally think that cards like this read strong just because 
I, I think I'm more under the impression these days that standard is about like tempo and traction and things of that nature. So it's like whenever this thing shows up and it's like, oh man, you guys kind of have a stalled board. This thing just breaks it wide open. Like that thing gets my attention, but then they just never see any play because they're just like kind of narrow in what they do. And it's only good on certain board states. Yeah, I definitely understand that argument, but I think this card just like transcends that on power level. I think it's just filthy. Yeah, so like even if you're behind, normally it's like, okay, bounce your things and then they just replay them, but this is like bounce all your stuff and then play a planeswalker, which is kind of busted. Yeah, it both like catches you up instantly and puts you ahead, which is very rare for this kind of effect. Okay, I already like this card, but now I think I like it more. I mean, bouncing your opponent's things and putting Gideon into play is stupid, and obviously Tezzeret's awesome, so I expect to see it a lot of play, and I think it has some fringe uses and other kinds of archetypes that aren't interested in just, like, you know, mid-range fights of getting ahead on the battlefield. Yeah, and this card's kind of dangerous, or, like, cards like it, right? Because it, if this card is good and does see a lot of play, it just kind of removes the viability of, like, a wide swath of the format, where it's like, do you really want to be playing, like, five and six mana cards when this thing is around? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like you know, the ETB test, essentially. It's like Reflector Mage. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we got uh, two of our, I think, eight cards out of the way. Next one is is your baby, Inspiring Statuary. Yeah, I think this card's broken. Okay. Like, just just straight up. Uh, I wrote about it last week on StarCityGames.com, so you can check about it out there. But uh, Wizards keeps printing things with mana cost reduction mechanics, and those are that's, that's a scary line to tread. Okay, so three mana artifact... Non-artifact spells you cast have Improvise, which is basically Convoke for Artifacts. Yes, but uh, critically, like... Actually, I, I need to read how the, the mechanic is actually worded. Your artifacts can help cast those spells. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for a generic mana. Okay, so there's no actual, like, stipulation in the mechanic itself, Improvise. It's just this card has a stipulation. Yes, correct. Okay, that, that's good to know. Because I wasn't sure exactly how it's worded, but that makes sense. So basically, like, the bottleneck I'm playing in this card is that you need artifacts to fuel how the card actually functions, because they have improvise, and then you also need big payoffs. So you, like, kind of have this tension in deck building naturally when you're trying to build around this card, but I think it's just so powerful that it doesn't matter. So you can play this with a bunch of artifacts, like, maybe in your Tezzeret deck or whatever, Mm -hmm. but then you're going to want some big payoff cards, and then the issue is... Like, those payoff cards don't help you set up, like, your synergy engine type of thing. And it's like, if you're ramping with this to, like, a 7-mana card, is that impactful enough? Even though it's like, that's maybe the card that you could hardcast if you don't draw the statuary. Or then you can play a bunch of big stuff, like Emrakul, Ulamog, whatever. And then, yeah, those are just virtual mulligans until you actually get to a critical mass. Exactly. Which, I mean, is a reasonable tension for sure. Yeah, it's it that that's why you're just like okay, this card is busted. I I see it because again, it is it is cost reduction and improvise is kind of scary for that reason. But is doing this like better than Aetherworks Marvel? Just like as far as like cheating big things, like obviously they're going to be in different decks, and you know this deck is going to have a bunch of artifacts, which might be better than playing a bunch of like a tune with natures or whatever the attune is. A tune with a tune with Aether, sure, nature. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. I'm out of it's, it. Man. It's green. It's fine. Yeah. So, like, maybe maybe your setup pieces are better. Maybe you have more of a functional deck when you're not trying to hard combo. Whereas Marvel, for the most part, was just trying to like get their combo off, and then they eventually settled into a place 
where they're okay just casting all their stuff and they have a lot of non-combo pieces in their deck now, so maybe this is kind of similar to that. But, like, your combo pieces are Thraben Inspector. That's so stupid. Like, Thraben Inspector just becomes one mana, one, two, make a, I don't know, anything that taps for generic one, Mindstone. Yeah, yeah, it makes Mindstone. It is, it is basically Mindstone. It's also worth noting that, like, when I was looking for things that trigger, improvise, and revolt, or not trigger, but you know what I mean, like, clues are just the thing that I keep coming back to, where it's like, how good are the cards that make clues now? Just stupid. That So I, I want to play this on turn three, turn four, confirm suspicions your thing, and then just go off. Or even just, like, track or play a land. Who cares? I got bigger dreams than that, Jerry. I understand. I get it. Tracker is just small ball. I got I got bigger stuff to do. What about Erdwall Illuminator? Uh, I don't know what that card is. 1U, 1-3 Flyer? They're like, whenever you investigate, do it again? Oh, in, yeah, in, yeah. Investigate the first time. I remember when we tried to make that work with, like, Bygone Bishop. Yeah, see, Bygone Bishop's another one. Where it's yeah, like, man, sure. you, you play your little artifact shitbags and just get clue rich and then cast Ulamog or whatever. Yep, I mean, that's that's definitely something I got my eye on. This card in combination with Paradoxical Outcome is really stupid. You can play, like, your zero mana things, play Paradoxical Outcome for one mana, draw a bunch of cards, replay your zero mana things, and cast another spell. Okay, so maybe that's what this card is supposed to do. Yep. Okay, that's weird. I got dreams. We're, we're going to make this happen. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your big dreams, man. I tend to dream a little on the, the more realistic side, so, you know, I need people like you in my life. Well, you know, it's it's all about balance, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, another messed up magic card, Metallic Rebuke. Really stupid. To you, instant, improvise. So, again, you can tap artifacts to help pay for this. Counter-target spell unless it's controller pays three. So, if you have an artifact, this is Mana Leak. Yep, turn one, three, but Inspector, turn two, either Mana Leak, your play, or Crack My Clue is a very common play pattern I foresee, and it's super good. Yeah, what, what are they going to do? I don't like, know. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand. And, and this card just, like, scales beautifully, and it turns into, you know, you counter a spell, basically. I'm, I, I was very surprised to see this card get printed. I think it's Me too. incredible. So I wrote my article, it got published, and then, like, the morning it got published, this card got spoiled. It's like, man, I want to talk about this. I, I, was, I was fortunate enough to get mine in after this got uh, spoiled, so talked about it a bit. So lucky. Yeah but it makes, like, Prophetic Prism so much better. It's just awesome. Yeah, man, I'm going to have to do a very, very large, extensive gatherer search for artifacts. Uh, I've already done that a couple times. There's there, there there's some diamonds in the rough for sure, I think. Yeah, I believe it. This is kind of your payoff, right? It's like, oh, if you play a bunch of, like, crappy artifacts, you get to play Mana Leak. But, like, that's a really good payoff still. But it's not even like you have to put a lot of effort into it. It's like... The, the quote-unquote payoff is you get to play this card for one mana, which is obviously unbelievable, but, like, just by putting in the bare minimum, you get to play literal mana leak. Yeah. Flash could just play this in their deck. They're already playing Spell Shrivel and stuff, and they have Copter and Inspector and, you know, could play whatever else, right? It was playing Rebuff. Rebuff is a complete joke compared to this card. Yeah, that's certainly true, too. Oh, wow. This this counters Ishkana and Marvel. I was looking for that card. I wanted that card. <laughs> I think they found a way to make Emrakul fair for all the people who believe that Emrakul should have been banned. And, and frankly, I was probably one of them as well. Well, here's the thing, though. If you're playing, like, some mid-rangey, like, artifact Tezzeret deck, like, Emrakul does probably just beat you a lot of the time, right? Just like the Mind Slaver itself? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I mean, it's certainly possible, but it, it, I mean, it depends on what else you're doing. I like these cards. I, I like the fact that I can build decks in new and different ways, and it seems like there are a lot of directions I can go in. But I don't like the fact that Emrakul is still just like, oh, you're doing some mid-rangey thing. I'm just going to, you know, destroy you. That's great. Yeah. So so basically, like, the ticking time bomb tension. You're like, I have to counter their Marvel or their Ishkana, or eventually I'm just going to lose to Emrakul. Or hopefully there's, like, Relic of Progenitus in this set or something. Yeah, entirely possible. Uh, what is the actual number of spoil cards as of us recording this? It I was eighty-five. It. it was eighty-five when I did my article. It's ninety-six now. Ninety-six. Okay, and that's not and, including twenty basic lands. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So we have seventy left or so. If I were in Wizard's position, and I know that they figure out their preview schedule very, very early, like in what order they're going to release certain cards and stuff. I, I would have just spoiled, like, if Relic of Progenitus was in the set, I would have just spoiled that first, you know? Like, that's going to get people excited. <laughs> yeah, just be like, hey, here's this, like, marginal thing that we need really badly. Yeah, so we have this, and then, yeah, there's, you know, almost 200 other cards, but you don't really care about any of them. Just, like, take a load off. Don't worry about Emrakul. It'll be fine. So, in the meantime, I'll be worrying, and hopefully there's a good answer to it, instead of just, like, playing Lost Legacy and hoping, you know? It's so tough, though, because you can't just, like, print a card that just nerfs the entire mechanic of the last block like that was the problem with emrakul is that like you you want delirium to be played and powerful and good but it also just incidentally fuels the best creature in the format well you can though because like even though this is an artifact block there are already three just like massive artifact hate cards in this set that's true yeah consulent surveillance or that's not what it's called is it consulent crackdown excuse me yeah that one released the gremlins and to some degree indomitable creativity Oh yeah, Indomitable Creativity is cool. I don't really have a lot to say about it, but it's just a neat card. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a red card that says Destroy X Creatures, so it's sweet. And it has, like, a randomness element to it, which is always interesting. Yep. Yeah. That, no, that's a good point, but it's just, like, you you want Traverse and Ishkana to be playable, but when they're bridging into Emerald Cool, it just doesn't work, as far as, like, promoting good gameplay. Yeah, agree completely. So, moving on, uh, Hanger Backwalker 2.0. I don't think this is a reasonable comparison. I, I think it's Triskelion. It's it's cute, though, because the numbers are so similar. That's all. Yeah, yeah I so, get it, but, but you're shooting stuff. Yeah, Walking Ballista, XX, Creature Construct. Uh, walking Ballista enters the battlefield with X, plus one, plus one counters on it. You can pay four generic mana to put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And zero mana, remove a plus one, plus one counter. Walking Ballista deals one damage to target creature or player of your choice. That's just a weirdo translation from the German one that got previewed, I think. But uh, yeah, it is a zero, zero. <laughs> so it's it's an XX for a zero, zero, has X counters on it, and then that's when the comparison ends. Yeah, pretty much. You're, you're just looking at XX and holding on to that. But I get it. It's great, though. I, th I, I think I like this better than Hangerback. I mean, it's certainly a more reasonable card. I don't think it's as good probably but I, I just feel like the triskelion type stuff is not that great in this format currently just because like everything is so juiced like the creatures have so much toughness i agree completely i mean i don't i think hangerback walker was an absurd magic card and this is just like a solid role player yeah but if we're looking for solid artifacts to put into our decks you know this one certainly foots the bill right yeah you could do a lot worse for sure i i sold jerry I guess, man, this is weird. I'm used to, like, talking a dynamic with three people, but it's not how it works. I'm just having a conversation with you now. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I was we were talking off, off uh, stream about Locket of Mist as a card that I have my eye on, which might be the incorrect translation. Could be Lifecrafter's Beast Cherry. I'm not sure. 
which is a three mana artifact that says at the beginning of your upkeep, scry one, and whenever you cast a creature spell, you may pay green. Green, I can't talk. If you do draw a card. So, the, the absolute floor for walking Ballista with this card on the battlefield is just play it, pay a green mana, draw a card. And if you combine that with, like, Ornithopter, you might have some, like, Glimpse of nature combo element going on. But, you know, playing this card for two mana as an artifact, it, helping out your Tezzeret deck or whatever is completely reasonable. And it can certainly be good in, like, against, like, aggressive red decks, for example. Specific matchups, white human decks. It also triggers Avacyn. So oh, that's no- a good point. Another similarity to hanger back, and it's like it's not even like you have to play it for zero, right? Because you can just like remove the counters whenever. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I hadn't even thought about that application, but that's legit for sure. Man, give me evolutionary leap back. Uh, you don't want to do that. Oh, but but we won so much more, Michael, when the card uh, was legal. Oh, I know. I just I would mess too many people up with it. They, they shouldn't <laughs> give me it again. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not even good with this card, but you know, just the comparison that you can't let go. Well, it was like, okay, it's kind of similar to Hangerback, and it does stuff with Avacyn. Okay, you know, like, we've we've just come full circle again to green-white tokens and Evo Leap and all that nonsense. The good old days. You yeah, know, like, can you imagine how good this card would be with Nissa Basswood's here? I mean, oh, I don't really man. know why, but Nissa Basswood's here. Well, Nissa helps you make your fourth land drop, <laughs> so... And then you play this for two. Yeah. And then you kill your opponent's Nissa. It's perfect. Oh, man, that is really good. Yeah, I, I like this card. I think it's going to be a role player... It could be a fantastic cyborg card in the right kind of format, so I like it. So you remember the red-black aggro deck you played like three weeks ago or whatever, four weeks I, ago? I think that was like two months ago, but yeah. I don't know. It, it's either like very close in the past or very far away, and I can't tell which. Life's been kind of hectic, man. Uh, agreed. I I don't know when the Invitational was. It, it was a long time ago. Anyway, you know how we struggled to get to, like, 18 playable artifacts in that deck to turn on Inventor's Apprentice early? Yep. Now we just have so many options. And That's true. I think that that deck is probably pretty bad. Maybe not, though. Like, it is one of the few decks that, like, if the format shifts a lot based on these new cards, like, maybe Delirium and Flash are not playable. It seems like there are a lot of really good cheap cards, and uh, things like Baral's Expertise might just invalidate something like Ishkanah, but if the format gets to a point where people are not doing, like, big mid-rangey things, I really like that deck, and now this deck has a bunch of playable cards, so. Yeah, well, it's it's weird. I don't think it got, like, a ton of, like, good aggressive cards on rate, but it got a lot of enablers. Yeah, which is fine, because we were playing so much garbage. Yeah, there's like, actually this, uh, this two-drop cycle of Aether Poisoner and Aether Chaser, which both create artifacts. Yeah, so Aether Chaser is... 1R, 2-1 first strike, ETB, get EE, and when Aether Chaser attacks, you may pay EE if you do make a servo. Yep. I actually like the black one more. It's a yeah, uh, de- Death Touch. Yeah, exactly. 2-mana, 1-1 one, one Death Touch. I like the 2-1 first strike more for the aggressive deck, obviously. Right. But yeah, just like the fact that stuff like that exists, there's there's a lot of ways. to. You don't have to play Bowmat Courier or whatever. Oh, no, you get to play Bowmat Courier. That's... It's a privilege, is that what you're saying? It is. Oh, man, I cited that card out every round at GP Denver. It was so bad. Yeah, it actually served me pretty well, just because the interaction with Blood Hall Priest is so powerful, but I also sideboarded it out every round. It's just so bad against Thraben Inspector and Liliana, and all of my opponents had <laughs> one of those two cards. <laughs> so you're saying it's just bad against the format? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, man, what am I doing with my life? So anyway, <laughs> I thought that, oh, you know... Red Black Aggro got some tools, right? And then I go to our next card, which are which is Aethersphere Harvester. And it's like, oh man, maybe this deck sucks. But uh, Aethersphere Harvester is a three-mana vehicle 
has flying. ETB, get two energy. You can pay E to give the Harvester lifelink until end of turn. It has crew one, which is incredibly low, and it's a three five. Yeah, I don't get it. That, it's the, the, so the numbers big. are just so inflated. If this thing it, was a two four, it would still be fine. It, it would be fine. I think three four, and it's still great. Why does it need the fifth toughness? I don't understand. Just make sure Avison can't go rumbling through. I guess. This is kind of a weirdo because it mixes energy with vehicles, which is a thing that we haven't really seen. Mostly those were just like separate entities. And it's like you built an energy deck with a bunch of colored cards or you built like some vehicle stuff and you had some artifacts energies. But I don't know how I feel about this. Well, that must have been like the specific objective with this card, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to to merge the two mechanics to some degree, right? Because you don't want to keep everything isolated. I'm super surprised that it actually has an ETB gain energy. Like, I think it would be completely reasonable if you just had to work for the energy on this card, and it was just yeah, a free... I'm, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah, it's just like the fact that you get the best of both worlds is very strange to me. So if this is, like, a theme, even if it's just, like, a mini-theme... One thing that I would like to point out is that having stuff like this is going to be excellent for sealed deck. And I realize that this card is a rare, and it's, like, already a bomb or whatever. But the problem with sealed in this format was that, like, you would have artifact synergies and energy synergies with no overlap. And then you would open a pool that was pretty normally distributed, right? And then you would just have, like, two halves of two different decks in your sealed deck and just, like, hope that you draw the synergetic half. That makes sense, sure. I haven't played a lot of sealed deck of this format, to be honest. I, I've played, I think, exactly zero, but, okay. I but I definitely saw a lot of complaints and, like, looked at people's sealed decks from Facebook, like, maybe playing in PTQs or some stuff, and I'm just like, man, this is so bad. You just, like, play Long Tusk Cub into, like, Random Servo Maker into just, like, Garbage Car, and it's, like, it, it's just so bad. So having stuff like this feels like it would kind of like equalize that a little bit at least if it was at lower rarities and i know that sealed deck is a very small portion of magic that people play just in general but it does matter you know yeah for sure uh, grand prix experiences is a big deal and like ptqs too it's a yeah. big game so can you just like pay the e and give it lifelink before you make it a creature is that a thing yeah i think it's the same thing with like veteran motorist right where I guess, like, keywords might be different than, like, power-toughness differences. That's just, a, like, a weird interaction. No, you can give, like, weirdo permanence lifelink, right? While they're not creatures? Yeah, I think so. I think there are some cards that do that. I mean, I'm sure there's some example. I just can't recall one off the top of my head, but I don't know. That just, just strikes me as strange. It's, like, the smallest detail. It doesn't matter at all, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know under what circumstance you would have to give this thing lifelink before activating it. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but... Ultimately, I, I don't think it matters. No, I don't if think you, so either. If you need some way to just, like, get rid of all your energy, like, if they Emrakul you or something, maybe <laughs> they can just... Right? They Emrakul you, you have no creature, so you can't crew this, and they just get to pay all your energy? I guess that's maybe a reasonable thing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's just... That's a lot of fun. You know, when you're... You get you get mind slavered and all your energy's gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fun. So, uh, where is this card going? Are we building, like, vehicle Tezzeret decks? Are you just jamming this in Flash... Are you trying to build a new deck? I think all of the above is completely reasonable, but right now I have it as a bullet in my Trophy Mage decks. Oh, that's good. Because it's really sweet against aggressive decks, and obviously Trophy Mage can prove it. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, it's awesome. 
Before we finish these cards, I just want to point out that like a lot of the cards in the set are pretty sweet. Yeah, they're and... just like all build arounds, which is awesome. Yeah, and just like a lot of value and stuff too. There's nothing that's just like good on rate, right? There's no like gear hulks or smugglers copter or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess you could say that like Tezzeret is good on rate just because it's a planeswalker, but just like a lot of the cards are sweet, and yeah, I want to build around them and. Hopefully these cards are good enough that they actually change the format, because I think that would certainly be a net gain, but I think these cards are cool. Yeah, I agree. It's awesome. There's no, like, unlicensed disintegration or whatever. It's like, man, this card's just so powerful that I'm going to build a deck that that does these things just to play this card. Okay, well, we have a couple more cards. Rogue Refiner, which, again, I think is a translated name, so may or may not be right, but is 1GU, a human rogue. Enters the battlefield, uh, draw card, get EE, and it's a 3-2. I mean, I, I tried to make, like, the fringe energy beatdown slash midrange decks work for quite a, quite a while, and this card is perfect for those kinds of things. Yeah, I guess the question is, like, being blue-green better than having, like, veteran brawler and is trying to be, like, grinding stuff better than just having pummeler, or is this a card that you might play in a Marvel deck? Might just be all of the above. It also works really well with a lot of the vehicles like Heart of Kieran, Sky Sovereign, Cultivator's Caravan. Yeah. The, the third point of power is really important. Ooh, what's what's the green white card? The green white card is good too. I believe it regrows a two CMC thing. Renegade Rallier, one G Dub, Human Warrior, Revolt. When this enters the battlefield, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn, return target permanent card with CMC two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it's also a three two, so Basically, all the same stuff about stats uh, that you said applies to this thing, too. And this thing is a human, and it gets back Thalia's lieutenant. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even thought about that. Kind of badass. I, I was kind of more in the train of thought of, like, rebuying my Vessel of Nascency. You, you, you can see how I think about magic. Yep. Oh, man. Vessel's a good revolt card. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that's awesome. But I, I think Thalia's lieutenant is probably a little bit more appropriate here. Yeah, so I like that card for that. I'm sure it, it's good in other spots. I've been hanging around with Wizards people a little bit recently, and they've been telling me, like, some of the the OG versions of these cards. Like, the Elephant was basically just, like, brain to print. I think it was a 3-3 when it started or something. Uh, apparently, Renegade Rallier, according to Glenn Jones, started as a 3-4 Trampler. 3-4 Trample without ability? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that's generous. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. So I don't know if any of this is true. You know, they could just be messing with me or whatever, but that's pretty funny. Greenbell Rampager is is definitely sweet. I like that card a lot. Oh, man, that card's great. I, I, I imagine there's, like, lots of scenarios where you're, like, burning your energy with Aether Hub just because you want a Revolt Trigger, which is super cool. See, that's the type of stuff that you're really good at seeing. I feel like I just miss on that stuff a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, little interactions are, are really interesting to me. But just the, yeah. the fact that, like, this one drop creature like has that range of applications is is so cool yeah no it is great this 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 card is like super simple but also just not yeah exactly it's a a lot more than what appears on the surface it is very correct to just have it be exactly as it is right because like three three is not great but I, i think like the fourth toughness adds a lot and the fact that like you have to pay the energy i think is really good just like for the card in general yeah, for sure. If you if you can miss it, then it would make the card way less interesting. So I'm not really one? sure where you slot it, but whatever. Yeah, me either. I mean, the, the fact that it's not just like this energy machine means that it's not going to go in Marvel, but it could just be 
a cheap threat so that you can like double spell on turn three in these energy decks. Yeah, exactly. Going brawler into this is totally reasonable. Maybe maybe this thing is like less at home in the pummeler deck and more at home in the rogue refiner deck. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. It's it seems like that being able to like double spell on turn four with those kinds of cards, you know, generate a lot of value, draw a card, put six power on the battlefield, that's Oh, uh, and then and then you get to Baral's expertise on turn five. Yeah. Now now you're talking. Put in a Hydra or something? Yeah, sure. Why not? That's just dope. dead. It doesn't matter what you put in. It's all good. Maybe put in another elephant? Ooh. Uh, come on, man. It's burning three mana. <laughs> it is. It is not an efficient use, but whatever. <laughs> it's not. All right. Uh, last card, and then we can kind of just bounce around, I guess. Uh, the one I want to talk about, Aetherborn Warrior. 2B, Revolt. Uh, when this enters the battlefield if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn target creature gets minus three minus three until end of turn and it's a three two so basically wasteland strangler but a little different it's it's 100 percent the card wasteland strangler wanted to be yeah i i think revolt is likely going to be easier than processing and there are a decent amount of sacrifice outlets in this set and i'm always thinking about cryptolith right man i can't stop i i didn't even like the deck when it was legal but it's just this card that is powerful, and it, it lost a bunch of stuff, and, like, obviously the format changed and everything, and just, like, playing these small ball creature decks, like, with the little value edges has not been very good. Right. But there, there are enough things in this set where it's like, ooh, maybe it's good again. Yeah, I can definitely get behind that. And, and obviously, like, Paradox Engine with Cryptolith right is just asking for some nonsense to occur. Got my eye on stuff like that. What I like about Aetherborn Warrior is, like, it, it kind of aligns with like wizard's vision for the game of getting on the battlefield and like creature combat and like that being really important but it's not just about like you know sizing up on your opponent and just like attacking when you have the biggest thing or whatever if you're in like a, a creature mirror you have to make like real decisions about whether you want to trade off board position because if your opponent like sideboards this in and follows up their trade and combat with this and just like gets your other thing then there's like yeah. way ahead. so i think it makes it makes really cool decisions i i think stuff like that is probably going to come up a lot more maybe than was intended because it does seem very difficult to trigger revolt if like the intention is okay i guess people will just never block because they don't want this to trigger (laughs) then that's probably not a good thing but you also can't make it too easy you know yeah i I mean i I think there's just a tension there which didn't exist before which is cool and this with fetch lands like this has got to be good enough right for modern i mean i i imagine like eating your opponent's wild mccoddle with this is super good right yeah, I would hope so. I mean, it's probably just like you, you target their Glistener Elf, they binds it or whatever, and they just kill you. But... <laughs> and then you die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I could definitely see this being a fine cyber card in modern. You know, you pair this with, like, Culligan's Command and your, you know, Grixis deck. You can run it back. Mm. So I definitely like Fatal Push for that stuff. But if, if we're K-commanding this thing, is that better than Shriek Maw? I mean, in reality, no, which is depressing. But, hey, Shriek Maw combos well with this. Ooh, that is true. Man, yeah. we could we could just have mono FTKs. Yeah, turn five, just double FTK you. That's awesome. It is great. Unless, you know, they have big creatures or like artifact creatures, black creatures. <laughs> or, or black creatures. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to work for it, man. Nobody ever said it would be easy. It's like, all right, I have this one mana 6-6 six, six death shadow, and you have all your FTKs and they can't do anything. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just fatal push it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. We just solved all the problems. Just kill everything in modern. 
somebody was talking about that, and I thought it was a really cool point. It's like instead of having to ban Getaxian Probe or Become Immense or whatever you want to call it, Fatal Push actually just is super good against all those decks. That is true. All the I wonder, creature combo decks. Yeah, but I wonder if the format just shifts and now it's like, all right, people are playing Storm. Well, now that they got a uh, Brawl in addition to Electromancer, who knows? Yeah, I mean, the, the looting is certainly good in that deck. Well, you have to counter a spell. Oh no, it's not just cast? Hmm. Oh man, you thought that card was unbelievable, didn't you? I don't. I think I read it and was like, okay, this is medium. Like, I'm not sure what I actually said in my article, honestly. But I think I knew what it did at one point. Okay, because <laughs> if, if you evaluated this card as whenever you play a spell or ability, you draw a card and discard a card, that's pretty messed up. No, I think I got it right. Just kind of looking over the spoiler now. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some stuff that stands out that's really interesting, like Hope of Gearpore. It's like a Xanted Swarm kind of card. Oh, yeah. You have to sacrifice it, but it's a one-mana artifact. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on all these one-mana artifacts. Yeah. So this is a one-mana legendary artifact creature thopter flying. Uh, sacrifice this until your next turn target player who has dealt combat damage by Hope of Gearpore this turn can't cast non-creature spells. It's a 1-1, which is kind of a mouthful, but basically it's, it's Xanted Swarm. Yeah, I mean, you get one use... I, it's different than Xanon Swarm, right? Because, like, they can't wrath you. That's that's kind of what this does in my mind. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of... It's it's the opposite of Xanon Swarm, isn't it? Well, you can also, like, hit them, sack it, and then they can't counter your Gideon, right? Until your next turn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay. So it does, it does double duty, basically. Yeah. Basically, it just lets you hopefully utilize any artifacts energies and also just, like, leverage one big turn to take over the game. It is worth noting, however, that we were talking about how bad Bomac Courier was, and this thing is, like, kind of similar. Uh, it does fly over Thraven Inspector, but just being, like, a one-mana 1-1 one, one is kind of tough. Yeah, I don't know. It, this strikes me as, like, a role player in very specific strategies. You're not necessarily, like, just beating down if you're playing this card. This could, like, potentially protect your combo, your your paradoxical outcomes. Oh, yeah, perfect. And it's just a one-mana artifact. You can do so much with it. Yeah, and they're not going to want removal against you. Nope. Uh, Metallic Mimic strikes me as one of the best cards in the set. We already talked about it a little bit, but... The human decks did need another two-drop. Yeah, it, it's also a lord, which is just silly. I saw Todd Stevens building modern Eldrazi decks with this thing that I was not... It didn't look great to me. I feel like that could potentially be a thing in Standard, but he was he was singing the praises of, like, 3-2 Eldrazi Sky Spawners in Modern, and I was just like, eh, I don't know. No, but, I, I can appreciate the depth there. I mean, it makes the uh, Scions 2-2s as well, right? Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I think it's a little more relevant in Standard, though. Yeah, I agree, for sure. I mean, just like this and Athali's Lieutenant is super awesome. So you you have to like Merchant's Dockhand, right? Merchant's Dockhand. I haven't seen this one. It is one mana for a 1-2 Construct. 3-U, tap. Tap X, untapped artifacts you control. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put one of them in your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library. Okay. I have seen this card before. I, you know, it's it's actually too much nonsense for me. <laughs> it's, it's so good, though. I, I have a fine line of nonsense. Most of these artifacts I'm thinking about in terms of, like, the Metalwork Colossus deck. I've kind of looked into that a little bit, and there's not too many upgrades. I think Gonti's Aetherheart is the most promising, because you can kind of play it at the top end of your you know, your chain, hopefully it enables your Colossus turn, and then you, like, play a Colossus, sacrifice your Sanctum, play another Colossus, and ideally that turns on Aetherheart's energy ability, and then you take an extra turn and kill your opponent. Yeah. 
So that's something I got my eye on. But I also think maybe you can just build a more controlling Colossus deck now that you have Tezzeret and like a lot of means of interaction. Again, like Battle of the Bridge is you know super good when you're filling your deck with a bunch of artifacts and you can just play like a slower game. Man, the crane might just be awesome now. Yeah. No, man, I love a Glintness crane. And it, it definitely got a bunch of new toys. I think that's actually one of the best things about the implement cycle is that it, it turns on little cards like that. Because it was always really hard to get from like 18 to like 24 artifacts. You were kind of in this like spot where you played like somewhere between like 18 and 20 artifacts that you really wanted to play, but you're always trying to get over the finish line without last like four or five to make the statistics on Glintness Green good. And yep. now you just have tons of options. Yeah, Renegade Map, Pacification, Array, the new three mana lifelink vehicle I think is pretty reasonable too. Agreed. Oh man, how good is like Foundry Inspector or whatever the artifact cost reduction thing is? Oh, the three two? Yeah. Uh, it could definitely be sick with like white implements. And... I actually think black implement is the best one of the cycle. The Unhinge? Just, yeah, it just, it just strikes me as like the sweet spot between not being too expensive and like having a really relevant effect. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that the Tesseract-colored implements were not the one-mana ones, but they, they are definitely the strongest. Well, not not definitely the strongest ones. I think the green one's really good, too. Agreed. Yeah, the green one, like, turns on the green-white return a two-mana card, which I think is sick. Lamhole Pacifist. Oh, nice. That's a good one, too. Todd already played me with a Rishkar, Pima Renegade, uh, Lamhole Pacifist deck, which is a nice interaction as well. Yeah, that's sick. Man, dude, this set's going to be so good. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. I'm just hoping that, like, they don't print just, like, three absurdly powerful cards to finish out spoilers, because I'm going to be sad. Yeah, same. Well, I, I hope that these decks are, like, either fast enough to beat Emrakul, or they don't care about Emrakul. Like, obviously, that's the one overlying issue here, right? Is like, okay, well, these decks are good, but can they beat Marvel? I think Manalik goes a long way toward making that possible. Yep, I agree. I think Manalik is, is kind of the big one right now. Especially because we haven't seen any, like, just super aggressive cards, which is kind of the other way that you beat Emrakul decks. Yeah. I mean, the green-white human is fine, but that's not... If it was a thing that, like, fit into the deck that I played at the Invitational, you know, like, where you could play an aggressive human deck and still have counterspells, then right. I, I would be happier about it, because that deck had some stinkers in it. I had to, like, fill my deck <laughs> with just garbage. Yeah. I, I mean, I you know, the standard format's getting to the point where it's large enough to where hopefully you don't want to do that. I'm reading Treasure Keeper right now. Yeah, that, 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 that's a card that strikes me as, like, I don't know if fan service is the right word or whatever, but it's like, man, this card looks really good, but I don't think it's good. So, like, it, it basically dies in Cascades. Exactly. Yeah, it's a 4-mana 3-3. Three, three. When it dies, you Cascade for 3. Yeah, I just I don't think it's good. Dude, it's like sweet wrath protection. What, what if they wrath you and you hit the green-white thing off this, you know? That's just game. I mean, that's awesome, but you're also, like, you know, building your deck to do this kind of average thing when they cast Wrath of God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they probably gained, like, six life off the yeah. gate. Best case scenario, they fumigated you, right? They gained four or five life. And worst case scenario, they cast Descend upon the Sinful, and it doesn't trigger. That card's not really playable, though, right? Mm, it might be pretty good with Inspiring Statuary. Oh, hush. I, I, you know, I, I legitimately think that every, like, five and six mana spell is just going to be substantially more playable because of this card. What if you don't draw the statuary? Uh, well, that that is a reasonable argument, but, you know, we got Trophy Mage. <laughs> trophy Mage will get us there. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can play up to eight copies of this card, you know, functionally. That's absurd. Yeah, that is true. Okay, so maybe maybe the consistency is there. And it's not even, like... So, so like, the classic argument for a card like this is, like, 
well, you have to take the turn off to play it, and you might just like die or fall too far behind. Yeah, but that's not Baral's, really true. But with Baral's expertise... Okay, you got a, a little stew going. I appreciate that. Multiple stews, as usual. Do any of them have Peace Walker Colossus? Uh, is that the one that turns on your vehicles? Yeah. No, but that card is super interesting. I, I, I don't want to say that this would take the place of Cultivator's Caravan in the like Colossus Curve or whatever, but I could mm-hmm. see some sort of artifact deck that is just like vehicles, right? And you don't have that much in the way of creatures because you just have this thing to turn everything on. Yeah, I mean, you could go as deep as like turning on your Consulate Dreadnought and just like, you know, pounding them for a million. Oh, yeah. Or more realistically, you're probably just like turning on your Sky Sovereign, which is also really powerful. What do you think about Heart of Kirin? I think it's very overrated. It's overrated? I do. I don't know. I thought people were, like, pretty skeptical of this card. I, I think people really like it. I mean, it's it's another thing that's really big, and it, and it's cheap. I don't think the loyalty thing is really going to come up all that often. So then it's pretty hard to crew. I don't know. I mean, I think people are really trying to break their backs to allow themselves to do the loyalty thing. Are you playing this in your Deploy the Gatewatch deck? Like... No, more like people are trying to, like, rebuild green-white tokens and things along those lines. Oh, man. Those Planeswalkers needed all their loyalty. Mm, I don't know. Not necessarily with, like, Nissa or whatever, but I can sort of see the argument. Well, Nissa, Nissa I just ramped up to seven every time. Uh, again, that was a different world, though. It was, for sure. Now, on, like, you know, turn six of Nissa, where you finally draw your six cards or seven cards or whatever, they just have you. Yeah, it, it does probably have to be a beatdown deck, and I guess if that's the case, then this card is kind of reasonable. I, I don't think it is worth jumping through hoops, but maybe people can prove me wrong. Yeah, agreed. I think there's a lot of like deck-building tension between having a bunch of planeswalkers and vehicles in your deck, but uh, the, the stats are definitely there. Yeah, I don't think you need a bunch. I mean, we were talking about like Lamholt Pacifist, Rishkar, the Battle Growth Implements... Like, it might be easy, easier than we think to turn on Crew 3, but, like, you're definitely not playing any of these over Copters. I guess if you're not really doing energy stuff, this is better than the 3-mana energy vehicle lifelink thing. I really need to learn the names of these cards. <laughs> well, the problem is a lot of them are, like, maybe translated incorrectly, so... No, the problem is that is that I'm stupid, oh, I think. Well, That's... I, was, I was trying to help you out, but... No, I, I appreciate it, but I'm a realist. If you're going to go with the self-deprecation thing, that's fine, I suppose. <laughs> but I don't know, like, Heart of Kieran into uh, Rogue Refiner is a pretty nice curve. Draw a card, hit him for four. That's not that impressive. What do you mean it's not impressive? I'd rather, like, Reflector Mage their thing and hit him for three. But then you have to Blue. play Reflector Mage and buy proxy blue-white cards and an aggressive shell, and that's just horrible. You're, you're mostly right about that, but then you get Mana Leak. You do get you, Mana Leak. I guess you get Mana Leak in the blue-green deck, too. Yeah, that's also true. We're definitely playing Mana Leak in our Rogue Refiner Heart of Kieran deck. Man, am I going to play blue in a Pro Tour? When was the last time that happened? Dude, all the blue cards in the set are absurd. I know. It's awesome. Oh, one, I, one last card for me and one last card for you. How about that? Okay, okay. I found mine. All right. What do you think about War of Invention? Oh, is that the cord? Yeah, I basically already have my opinion of this card, but I'm interested in your perspective. It just depends on the stuff that you can do with it. You know, like the card itself is good. But Court of Calling is good because it, like, completes pieces to your puzzle, right? It's like, you're kind of pressuring them, and it's like, oh, now I need life gain, so I'll get this thing. Or, like, oh, I need another part of my combo, so I get that. Or, now I need some value, so you get an Eternal Witness or whatever. It's just like, I don't feel like the artifacts have the toolbox, but by the time the set is done, like, that could be possible. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I actually, I mean, obviously this is kind of an absurd statement, but I don't think it compares to Chord at all because of basically what you just said. It's basically like copies five through eight of like your very important piece. Yeah, I mean, I could see th- like maybe there are three different big artifacts that maybe you want to search for. So like the Aether Heart would be like a good kind of bullet, right? Where it's like you don't want to play a bunch of them or whatever, but maybe you want a Chord for it. And in the meantime, maybe you just use it to like get another one mana card, you know? Or it's just like you have a bunch of pacification arrays, so you get a Hedron Archive or something. I, don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. But, but but when you're like talking out the scenarios like that, it just seems so unimpressive. It's kind of unimpressive, but it, it does kind of complete the lock. The issue is that there's, there's Fragmentize, which people were already playing, and now there's this new one that doesn't necessarily seem better. Decommission. Uh, yeah, decommission. So this one's at least an instant, which I like, but... Yeah, three mana is kind of a tall order. If you're playing against beatdown decks, you probably want this more than Fragmentize, but Fragmentize on the cheap. Like, this art, this set has so many artifacts, and a lot of them are so good that it wouldn't surprise me if Fragmentize was now a main deck card and is going to show up more in sideboards. And, like, if there are Tezzeret decks with a ton of artifacts, then people could, like, consulate crack down you, and it wouldn't be that crazy, you know? Agreed. I actually hate the fact that Fragmentize exists. There shouldn't be such an efficient way to deal with like the you know the build around me cool stuff no because that's why we're in the spot with delirium where it's like oh man i wish there was a graveyard hate card because no, this I, stuff's I, oppressive you know I, I get it i get it but like the fact that delirium's the enemy right now and not the artifact stuff makes me like hate the fact that you can push out the artifact stuff even more okay that's fair but it's just like oh man this is a creature set and they printed doom blade can you believe that well, yeah, I mean, it's it's entirely possible to you know deconstruct the argument to make it look stupid, but I, I, I like that decommission exists, but not fragmentize. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. Like if shatter exists or whatever, that would be fine. But just like one mana is just so good. It is good, but it also doesn't stop Marvel. Like also for the first three months of the format, it was like okay, they have copters in their deck, and you have fragmentizing your sideboard. Like how many do you bring in, if any? And it's right. like, if you if you draw a Fragmentize, they don't draw a Copter, like, what are you going to do? It's just so bad for you. Like, I, I thought that that kind of tension was fine, but now that there's so many artifacts, I agree that Fragmentize is, you know, it's kind of annoying, right? Like, people just get a bunch of one-mana removal spells against you, but a lot of this stuff is, like, you know, if, if you're just playing a bunch of, like, Implements and the one-mana Icy and Renegade maps and stuff, it's like, yeah, blow that stuff up, man. I don't really care. It's not a big deal. It just doesn't seem like a lot of the stuff that you really care about is stuff that they can blow up with Fragmentize. Yeah, that's a reasonable point. I guess I think Fragmentize is fair if you're only targeting aggressively slanted cards, if that makes sense. But like once you get in the territory of being able to like blow up your opponent's Hedron Archive, like that just feels filthy. Well, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for a Relic of Progenitus or some such. Wait, was decommissioning your card? No, no, it was not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm just saying like, I want that so bad, and then if the set just ended after that, I would be fine. I mean, yeah. like, what what is a fair graveyard hate card to print? Like, relic is way too good, obviously. It would, you, it would have to be it would have to be one sided relic, right? So it's like you don't want to mess up your delirium. So, <laughs> I was thinking, I don't know, like cranial archive might be real fine. Oh yeah, I would be down with cranial archive. I think that's kind of the sweet spot, like because relic could just like theoretically keep your opponent off delirium forever, and that's not good. I don't know. It depends how badly you want to keep that stuff in check, right? Yeah. Has there ever been, like, 
like scrabbling claws. That would be fine, right? Because you can kind of like muscle through it with Vessel of Nascency, but you can also like slow burn people with it, and you can like target one thing if you really need to. Well, I think Cranial Archive is a good one because if you draw scrabbling claws on like turn five, it's not going to do anything. Okay, sure. So, so it's like this this graveyard hate card that you effectively have to mulligan for, so it basically makes it a ley line. And then, yeah, they can potentially power through it, but most likely they're not going to be able to, so you might as well just make it like a one-shot, get your graveyard draw card. I just wish there was like a sweet spot, like, I don't know, like Exile three cards or whatever. Like, that, that wouldn't be very good, granted, but like, it would still not just like completely destroy their game plan instantly. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Okay, my last card is Aether Geode Miner. Just a lot of words. A lot of weird words right there. It sounds like a red card, so I'm looking through the red card. Wrong. One dub, one dub, three one, dwarf scout. When uh, the miner attacks, you get EE, and you can pay EE uh, basically to blink it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so it's a nice little revolt enabler. It's also just like an aggressively slanted card and a dwarf. Yep, and, you know, can uh, fade spot removal spells. Yeah, I like this card. So it's cool. I, I I think this was on the spoiler, and I just missed it before my article. But yeah, I don't know. Not a lot to add. It's just like a very elegant card. Oh, I also like the Platinum Angel. I think it's probably rancid, but oh, I love the Platinum Angel. I think it's one of the coolest designs they've ever had. Yeah, I was just thinking about it. Like, oh man, like they infect you to death, and then it's just like nothing <laughs> happens. You just die again. Uh, okay, I hadn't thought about that. That's kind of brutal. But so is it? technically a replacement effect for losing the game if you would lose the game instead exile it and your life total becomes equal to your starting life total so yeah i guess it is like a replacement but then it's just like okay so you're back to 20 and then you still have 10 infect and then you just die again yeah yeah it's 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 definitely not good in, in the infect example but like you can't stifle this basically right mm, yeah i mean i guess it doesn't trigger right it just happens that, that seems like how it's how it reads which is really sweet yeah, I mean, obviously that's not going to come up in standard, but I can just appreciate that there's no way to stop you from not Dude, losing the game. There's disallow in standard. You could stifle it if, if it had a trigger, right? Oh, right. I forgot about that card. I like that card, too, even though it's it's going to be completely overshadowed by Mana Link. Yeah, unless you get to play them both somehow. I mean, entirely possible. You can uh, stop Tezzeret from ultimating. Always sweet. Oh, man. I'm just never going to ultimate Tezzeret. Yeah, just keep plussing. They sit on their disallow. I'm just going to get an army of Lotus Petals. It's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should meet back next week and okay. do this again. How's All right. I, I think we should we should commit to it. Well, well I, I don't want to commit to anything, Michael. I'm, I'm scared of commitment. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of commitment too, but that's kind of a different topic altogether. It is. Uh, uh, I guess we should try and figure out our schedule too, like when we're leaving for the Pro Tour, because inevitably we're going to have to take some time off. Yeah, no, I think this is a good time to start start back up, not only because, you know, we're in the middle of Aether Revolt spoilers, but we probably have a good, like, three-week stretch where we're not going to be interrupted by anything. Yeah, all so right, cool. we can together a few days. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to have three weeks if we can do it on Tuesday the 17th. Yep, that should work. Okay, dope. So we're going to be here for the next three weeks. We're going to try and commit to that, but we're both scared. And then hopefully be back after the Pro Tour? Yeah, those are always fun shows. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, that is true. It's just like, we're, we're both so destroyed. Yeah, and you know, there's no Andrew to rub in his top eight, so that'll be good. Mm, that is true. And we're we're coming back from Europe, so it's going to be even more brutal, but we'll find a way to make it happen. 
Dude, I love Dublin. I'm pretty excited about it. It's a great city. Okay, well, you'll have to show me. Last time I was there, I didn't really do anything, so. I mean, I basically just, like, walked around to random pubs and ate good food and drank a lot, so, yeah. Okay, so it was, like, any major American city. But better. Because people talked funny? Nah, man. It's, it, it'll be it'll be good. We'll have fun. Okay, so let me let me say that the the last pro tour I played before I went to Wizards was in Dublin, and I was just off it. I was off it the entire time. Well, that probably had to do more with like your attitude or your wherever you were in life rather than Dublin, I assume. No, yeah, that I think my experience was colored by that. It was just like, man, why am I here? I have to like go home and pack and get all this stuff done. That was more on my mind than anything else. So. And on the flip side, when I was there, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and loved everything. So, you know, yeah, that probably had okay. something to do with it, too. See, man, balance. It's great. All right, that's game.